Welcome back to the Crossover Podcast, the show where you get comics, pop culture, and potentially sports going forward. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about comic book stuff as Luke Cage Season 2, our review is coming out right now. Spoiler alert, if you have not seen Luke Cage Season 2, we're going to be spoiling the fuck out of Luke Cage Season 2. And here we go. Joining me today is Kyle Brown. How's it going, Kyle? Let's go, Lakers. Oh, go fuck yourself. I will throw you <laughs> off this podcast. Just say it one more time. Just see if I'm... You fucking try me. I'll throw you off this pod. And uh, also joining us today is Kevin Miller. Kevin, what's going on, big dick? <laughs> Punching its way into Netflix. It's Luke Cage Season 2. Yeah. Um, the last Marvel Netflix was shamefully uh jessica jones season two if i if i'm not uh, mistaken which was wasn't that subtitle that only goes up from here uh, it, yeah might have been based on, based on what <laughs> the new saying. rock bottom like i tried not to come on this podcast and be comic book guy like i make a conscious effort to to give you know here's here's what i liked here's what i didn't like here's what people are saying they like here's what people are saying they don't like but you know, every once in a while, something is so horrible that you got to come on and and just eviscerate it until it it just hopefully doesn't exist anymore. Uh, which I had to do with Jessica Jones season two because it was that god awful. I'm I'm happy to say that I won't be doing that with season two of Luke Cage. That said, I got some issues. Um, mediocre at best i would say but unlike jessica jones season two some fun stuff that you can point to like scenes i would actually like youtube if they were on youtube and be like hey i remember that from luke cage season two that was a lot of fun but yeah didn't get any of that from jessica jones season two had a lot of fun with luke cage season two the usual fault rules apply for marvel netflix shows where why the hell it's 13 hours long i have no goddamn clue <laughs> but yeah, but in this case, it didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome as much as it has before. True, true. Like JJ two was particularly hard because we're all adult men with families and so on. I mean, to to be like, hey, this sucks, and I'm only you know four out of thirteen hours into it. Yeah, is is it's a hard pill to swallow. You know, we would be like to watch the entirety of these things for the sake of doing it on the podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, this time it was, uh, you know, enjoyable, <laughs> um, again, as, as Matt's saying, not without its issues, but, um, I would say, yeah, mediocre to good. And, uh, I would say probably overall better than Luke Cage one. I, I, I think so. I mean, man, those first few episodes with Marshall Ali though, man, they were really good. Um, the best finale since Jessica Jones season one. Of Marvel yeah. Netflix? I think so. What say you on I, that I, one, KB? I can't say that for uh, Daredevil 1, which I, I think had a kind of disappointing finale. But really? I'd I like Daredevil 1, because remember, like, the, I, it ended with him putting on the suit and then fighting the Kingpin. It just, it, they well, earned it. They earned it, right? And, my nitpick is, is mm-hmm. I don't like that suit. They, they, they improved the suit, I think, for, like, season two and yeah. uh, Defenders and stuff like that. But that, that one episode, I kind of wish he just stayed in, like, the... 
the track pants and the scarf. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they earned it, though. That, that's, oh, they, they that's, that's the big thing about Daredevil Season that's 1. That's my one nitpick, and I mean, if, if, if that's the nitpick that makes, you know, J.J. Season 1's uh, finale better than, you know, awesome, so be it. I, I think that Luke Cage 2 would be a close second for me at this point. Yeah, I th- yeah Jessica Jones Season 1, which was the second Netflix series, for God's sake, I, I had a good finale because it actually ended with them, you know, fighting Kilgrave and whatnot, but... Other than that, like, I mean, Defenders was just, like, a trash pile the entire way. Friggin' Iron Fist, the less said about that season, the better. Punisher, pretty good. Not a great finale, though, because the, the finale was mostly them just kind of winding down the, uh... Like, yeah. the, the, like the, the, the climax happened in episode 12, and then episode 13 was kind of just them, you know, tying up the loose ends, so it... it yeah, you know, that, that kind of happened here as well, but I think that we're, uh, we're um... Uh, Punisher, their sort of epilogue final episode, where I think that was good, as it did have the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna forget names uh, for that show, but it had the scene with like the uh, the bad guy, the, the dude, um, basically holding up uh, his friend in the uh, his apartment. I yeah. think that was in the last episode. Yeah, where he like, woke him up. His... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because <laughs> that was like the one where it's like, yeah, the finale was kind of in the. Uh, previous episode with the uh, dude with the glass eye or with the uh, you know the milky eye mm-hmm. um, but then they, they had like the whole showdown at the merry-go-round in the final episode yeah that was pretty cool yeah you you're even though it was grossly over the top but yeah yeah y- oh, yeah no, you're I'm right poor. so so you're right they punisher had a better finale than i'm than i'm currently giving a credit for so you're, you're right you you twisted me on that but, i enjoyed uh, how the finale of uh Luke Cage this season followed with the theme they had throughout the the series of feeding the wolf. Which wolf was he going to feed? And he chose to feed the gangster wolf, the one that fights with anger. He's going to have to be the newest crime, not crime boss, I guess, if you want to call it. Yeah. He, so you like that? He, I enjoyed it. I mean, you saw his inner struggle in between... Claire, who I guess they just couldn't pay Rosario Dawson to be in the rest <laughs> of the, the or series or yeah. scheduling conflict or something, so they had to make her disappear. Or uh, Misty Knight, who was the aggressor, the go-after-it, get-after-it kind of person. Mm-hmm. And they did the Godfather uh, scene with her, right? Where he was standing there getting info, and then the dude closed the door on her as she was, yeah, uh, yeah. She was looking in, which... You know, when you watch The Godfather, that's the single most violent act in that entire movie. When 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 fucking uh, Al Pacino closes the door on his wife at the end of The Godfather, and you're just like, Jesus, right? Like, oh god, yeah. They did they did that thing though, where he closed the door on Misty Knight, and I was just like, whoa, Godfather reference. Yeah. I like that. I like the kind of time skip idea where it's like, no, I'll never have this club. Oops, now I have this club. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I I was kind of lukewarm on that just because i was like but he just said he's gonna burn it to the ground because i thought it was like because they were juxtaposing it with the the flashback of uh friggin alfie woodard going uh you know i'm gonna give him the club because it'll you know it'll poison him from the inside and seep into his brain and make him as bad as us and then luke cage just goes nah burn it to the ground and i was like good for you luke way to not fall to the dark side (laughs) and then it cut and it was like oh i guess he is falling to the dark side it was just it was a weird edit to me that that happened that was was supposed to be like a year later or something like that true great suit though yeah oh yeah yeah 
every everyone in this suit in this season had a very nice suit. Mm-hmm. Bushmaster's clothes were oh uh, yeah oh so stylish. The the yeah the costume design this season aside from Luke Cage until the very end was just on point. Well, when Luke Cage was in the in the the few moments when he was wearing non hoodies. I, I thought he looked pretty badass at a certain but like at a certain point when it was like oh my god he's got another you know bullet like riddled hoodie on but even then like he was acknowledging himself where he's just like I'm tired of you know getting, like, <laughs> I'm tired of getting shot I really am well, <laughs> even though it's not necessarily like a wardrobe thing I did like yeah. anytime there's a scene in the uh, barber shop where it's just like his, he's like four new Luke Cage t-shirts <laughs> yeah 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 and they all like because there was the one run DMC one that had like the old it said Luke Cage but it had the like white lettering with the with the red border like the yeah. run DMC logo that was pretty sweet and there was the actual like power man uh there, there was the actual like old Power Man one yeah. that was like really good. Um, yeah, some of that Luke Cage swag was pretty hot. I would, I would, I would buy a lot of that. Yeah, it was legit. Fun. I like the there was the blue Power Man down the side, which mm-hmm. was pretty sick. Oh no, yeah, costume design. <laughs> it was just, yeah, oh, I it love was, the suits. It was yeah, it was on point. It was it was on point. Um, Music again, phenomenal. Every every like KRS One showed up and did a friggin' song in this. Ghostface Killer did a song in one. They were playing friggin' Gregory Isaac's Night Nurse during the yeah. scene when he was actually making love to the Night Nurse character, and, and I was just like, oh, so good. And they played like Redemption song in the in the finale by friggin' Bob Marley. Um, the episode titles for this entire series, all of them were friggin' pete rock and cl smooth songs and it was just like oh my god <laughs> right so it's just and uh, like culminating with the last episode being the in my opinion the greatest named after the greatest pete rock and cl smooth song of all time they reminisce over you t to the roy and uh yeah all those references the musical performances freaking faith evans was in one episode and, and all that stuff same as first season fucking brilliant don't stop doing that in future seasons of luke cage keep bringing the heat with that stuff honestly i like this season of luke cage my biggest my biggest like the biggest thing i have to say about this one from a non writing standpoint because i'll get to my biggest problem with the writing was just again there's no reason for this series to be 13 hours Whatsoever, I can, I cannot stress that enough. That this this Luke Cage, if this ep, if this was nine episodes instead of thirteen, and we could tighten up like because episodes friggin' six through eight, I think were a real drag of just the like a, that was predicated really on the characters being kind of incompetent, and and I mean across the board like bad guys and good guys just not making smart decisions for the for the for the sake of just kind of keeping the plot going and stretching it out and that shit kind of irritates me and that that's, that's yeah if, if this was like a tight nine episodes honestly we might be talking the best marvel netflix series of all time this is this is the thing that happens on these shows though is it's always like difficult to tell remember what happens in the middle there's a lot of character filler that I think they're trying to push off as character development, but it just ends up being a bunch of pointless monologues. It's like it's if you watch The Walking Dead or have watched The Walking Dead, they have a similar problem where it's 
characters go off on their own and they have a monologue about their life and you're just like, I don't care. Get back to the main storyline. <laughs> yeah. So it all depends on the way you write it, but it could definitely have been condensed a lot more. Like the amount of scenes in between Shades and Mariah just staring at each other was kind of over the top for me yeah there there were a few too many of those is what i was gonna say like and i don't even like i i like their dynamic i just don't need to see uh, like a five minute scene of it every single episode um the other one i was gonna say is between uh bushmaster and uh his boy sheldon where it's always like don't do it now i'm gonna do it (laughs) like every episode (laughs) yeah there were a few of those i they they definitely fell into a few tropes like the don't take this or you'll don't take this all at once or you'll die. So yeah. So no. you want so you want me to so you want me to take it all at once? No, yeah. don't take it all at once. You'll die. You yeah. just took it all at once, didn't you? Okay. That no. Move. It'll lead up all your chakra. Yeah, that was a classic comic book movie. She's like, don't take it all at once, and I'm just like, oh yeah, he won't. Right? Oh no, totally. Why would why would you do that? Not only that, but she gave it to him in a syringe. So it's like. She's like, don't use it all at once. It wasn't like it was a vial that he could, like, slowly drink. It's like, here's the syringe. Don't take it all at once. And I'm like, so I'm just like, well, are you even just like myself with the same needle? That does, yeah. like, that's very unsanitary yeah. there, Dr. Yeah, Nightshade. just <laughs> multiple, multiple vials or multiple syringes or, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just a couple of tropes that they fell into that are obvious cliches that, I mean, it's hard not to do, but you do it and... What can I say? It it works sometimes, and sometimes it's 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 interesting to see, especially when you get like kind of into the mood of things after a few episodes. You're you take a note of it for stuff like that. You're like, oh yeah, this is based on a comic, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like it's like, oh yeah, I see what they're doing. Yeah, like Bushmaster in the comic books, especially this version of it, the uh, the John McIver version, because I believe there are two different Bushmasters in the comics, and I think the John McIver version, because all of the <laughs> All of the the ultimate versions of Luke Cage's enemies are all snake related, right? Hence Cottonmouth, Diamondback, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Bushmaster has like a half snake body. I no, believe, no, that's books. that's the different one. That's uh, Quincy. That was John Quincy McIver. in the original. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. John McIver. So John McIver is the, the like guy in the in the orange and white outfit, right? Yeah. Yeah. With and the, he's like, he's the sunglasses. gang. He's the gang. Yeah, he's the gang leader who is from the. Uh, he takes over a gang in Europe, puts out a hit on uh, Iron mm. Fist, and then uh, the, right, all that other yeah. stuff. Right, right, right. But like the John McI, but the uh, Quincy one, like the John McIver one's not Caribbean, right? I believe the the snake body guy, the Quincy Quincy McIver, I believe is is the uh, well, they're brother, they're brothers. Yeah. And the way Quincy loses, Quincy becomes the snake body person is mm-hmm. he is a bumbling idiot. Yeah. And lo- loses all of his limbs in a boating accident getting away from the police. Okay. Right. So. God, years since Seriously? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 This is this is straight from the wiki that, uh, like I said, I was reading up on it before just to make sure I remembered everything. Yeah. It's been years and, yeah, since that, I've read most of that stuff. Yeah. So uh, just uh, and yeah, when you go through it, it's. It's all all snakes like Di- uh, Diamondback, Viper, Cobra, Cottonmouth, etc. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah they all have the snake motif. Is is the thing with uh, Luke Cage, which is pretty cool because like they, there's so many real cool snake names out there, so they make for great. Let's uh, say uh, Cobra Commander, Voldemort, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> the Red Viper of Dorne. Uh, <laughs> 
what was it? <laughs> Com- uh, Comanche obviously is 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 another one. Friggin' uh... oh, this this uh, another one I'm forgetting. But like, yeah, but man, um, Bushmaster, Mustafa Shakir. Uh, God damn it! Uh, Say for a couple of scenes where they, I agree with Miller, they got kind of redundant with the, uh, you know, don't sacrifice your body, and he was just like, nah, I'm gonna do it. Uh, but like anytime, <laughs> anytime he was on screen, it was it was fucking electric. God, yeah. I loved him so. So much. what you're telling me is I shouldn't sacrifice my body, but what my plan presupposes is maybe I should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> like, he had so many great lines. I think. My favorite one of all time was easily when Luke Cage kicked down the door to that first room that he was standing in, and the first thing he looks at him and he goes like, "Hey, you're not faster than Usain Bolt, you know?" <laughs> they, they just took it so personally. Like the Jamaicans all just took it so personally that one of the yeah. ESPN talking heads ta- uh, fucking compared him. To, <laughs> you said he was faster than Usain Bolt, and he's just like, "Oh god, that was brilliant." Oh. But yeah, anytime he was on scene, it was electric. The ending of the episode when he just walked by and gave him the fucking guile flash kick to the chin and, like, yep. and knocked him out. It was like, I, yeah. I had that moment where I was like, dun 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> he did that and like knocked him out, and then everybody was like, whoa! And it, like the, the footage of it went viral and stuff. It was just like, oh god, that was so much fun. And they were hanging out in the. Uh, they actually incepted me with some of the. Uh, with some of the Jamaican food references, because they're, they, they, uh, what was the name, Gwen's or whatever, was where they, uh, yeah. Was, yeah, was the Jamaican restaurant that they all, like, kind of ran their little bit, their, their gangster business out of, and, uh, they, they accepted me with one of those, because, uh, what happened was, uh, our, our good buddy Dave came up last Sunday to, to, to visit me, who's been on this podcast before, and I was like, okay, I need something I can put on the stove and just kind of let it stew for a couple hours and then not really have to worry about, you know, preparing something. I can just throw it all in a pot. But I didn't want it to be, like, stew or, or like, specifically a stew or whatever. And then I was watching Luke Cage, and they were like, we got the best curried goat around. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's what I'm doing. And I absolutely made a curried goat that night, and it was fucking delicious. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, for the first couple episodes, Pierce, I was planning on coming on the show, and you're like, oh, it's Kevin Miller, welcome on, you know, to do my line, my welcome line. Mm-hmm. I was going to be like, yeah, Rastafarianism. <laughs> Murder, she wrote. Uh, a DVD of Cool Runnings. Ah, oh, great. Uh, all right, we are adjusting on the fly here, as I am attempting to add someone to this call see if it'll work what's that it's brandon's music <laughs> there he is. There hey gentlemen he is. yeah joining us mid pod brandon fleet from the movies ruined my life brandon what's going on oh <laughs> i just got back from the comic book store gentlemen nice as, uh, i was attending a wedding Ooh, at the comic book store yeah yeah oh, they details. did like a mock yeah yeah oh i know spoilers even they just go to the new york times if you're looking for spoilers oh yeah <laughs> does no one get that joke what what is this this is a group of comic book fans no one laughed at that what oh. i was there i got you come on lead balloon <laughs> <laughs> release the call oh, it's not funny when you jump the shark yeah yeah so uh, you're coming in hot here. We were just talking about uh, Mustafa Shakir and how he was playing Bushmaster. Yeah. And we all we all agreed. Like I, I well, I don't want to speak for the other two guys, but I, I thought he was electric. And anytime he was on screen, 
it I just found it incredibly exciting and uh, <laughs> yeah, just stylistically a lot of fun his character. Even though in the end you could probably say he didn't really accomplish anything, but uh, God damn it, he was so much fun. That's he stirred. He stirred the pot. He was a pot stirrer. Yeah, we were joking around that he was. Uh, he was the uh, the patois punisher. Was what me and some of the cats at yeah. work were calling him. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. This is one uh, one other Jamaican. Well, I'm not Jamaican. One Jamaican guy and a white guy. Yeah. And we were joking around that he he had his he had his purpose, and it was almost completely. Uh, separate from the series, but they they wrote him in so well. We talked off air about some dialogue stuff with other characters, Matt. I don't know if you already touched on that that I wasn't super happy with, but I loved his character, uh, and and he was amazing. He he elevated the material totally. Yeah, and I like the fact they didn't get rid of him, so he can theoretically come back for because <laughs> I mean in that finale, which again we we were saying earlier when you were off Brandon that this was probably the best finale since Jessica Jones season one. Yeah. Um, I would agree with that entirely, yeah. Uh I, I just man, they really cleaned house in that episode, <laughs> right? So we we kinda lost a lot of the uh, uh we we lost a lot of the the trimming the fat, if you will, of the Luke Cage series because I didn't realize how many characters there that they had kind of going in Luke Cage and even some of them disappeared. All the loose ends. Yeah, and some yeah. of them disappeared two minutes in. Like KB was complaining earlier that Rosario Dawson was only around for like an episode and a half, and then uh, what is it? Uh, Ron Jones as Bobby Fish like disappeared after two. He was like, "Oh, my girlfriend." He was like, "I found out I got a daughter who has like liver disease or something. Got to go give her my. Oh, I guess it wasn't liver, it was kidney disease or something. Kidney, right? yeah. Got to yeah, go give yeah. her my kidney." Buy forever, I guess. That's <laughs> how that went. And of course, friggin', uh, they had to stop using, un- unfortunately, Reggie Cathy because he yeah. passed away in real life. May he rest in peace. That uh, yeah. voice like velvet and peanut butter. My God. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there was that. So they were, they, uh, they had to work around a few things, but it was it was really weird that it's like, hey, these guys are here, and now they're gone. But. Uh, well, they had to streamline it somehow. Like you said, they just had too many characters going on uh, and too many things that you can clearly tell that, you know, with the first season, they're like, well, maybe we'll go in this direction. And then when when they knew they weren't going in that direction, I'm sure they just decided to trim the fat. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that for the case of Bobby Fish, though, it seems super, <laughs> like, super obvious. Like, he might as well have said, I have to go, my home planet needs me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just this, the, the animation cell just... <laughs> on, on that note, what did you guys think of Iron Fist showing up and then all of a sudden completely disappearing? Um, I mean, well, he was just doing he was doing uh, Claire's bidding in that episode. He was just checking on Luke. He only stayed around... You know, as did, one would. It didn't really say like, okay, I'm gonna leave now, or maybe I just fell asleep or something. But I, I didn't really get a okay, we're leaving. It just kind of transitioned to Luke going on, doing stuff on his own. Well, you can't have him in any way, shape, or form in a scene with Bushmaster, because then it's like that's that guy is doing martial arts. That guy is pantomiming. Like there's. <laughs> there, you can't have them in the same scene. Like, I know that this was the best. I, I shouldn't, you know, this is the best Danny Rand out of the Netflix series that I've seen so yeah. far. Maybe it was because oh, he was used sparsely. 
but uh, not even but, just the, yeah not even just the sparsity of it i feel like the act the actor did a better job i feel like the writing was better for the character i felt like he was more of the carefree shaolin monk style person that i would have known as iron fist and then the one of my favorite scenes in the whole season was the uh, raid on the oh yeah it was great on the grow up yeah, yeah yeah the raid on the grow up's a great scene and that harkens the... back to my favorite scene in defenders when iron fist and luke cage went into the the boardroom and used each other as like not props but it was weapons with each other and it, i thought it was awesome yeah, if they're did, smart, they'll clap. just use him. There. Yeah, the thun- the thunderclap was pretty wicked. Yeah. Sorry, I was saying if they're smart, they'll just use Danny and Luke Cage going forward, or vice versa. Yeah. They should just use them as a pair. Unfortunately, he's just not a strong enough character, you know, in in the way they've developed him at this point. Like Iron Fist is an awesome character, yeah. but what they've done with him in in the Netflix series yeah. is. Yeah, you know, well, it's it, he's it, a caricature. It seems like they've had like a year and a half since uh, uh, I think Iron Fist came out last March. I want to say um, they've Sounds had good. some time. They've taken some notes. They've gotten their criticism, and hopefully, they're heading in a better direction with this character now. I mean, we only got a taste here, so it's hard to say. But I, I hope that that's the, a sign of things to come. I really enjoyed the fact that for the most of the seasons of all of the Marvel Netflix shows, they've alluded to every other character. Like, and yeah. Jessica Jones, you it's like, they're throwing it at your face. Like, hey, if she just called uh, Daredevil or Murdoch, this could be fixed. Or if you could, even in, in all the other seasons, it was something similar to that, where why don't they just have this other character step in? It would have been a good transition. And they finally did it. And this season, albeit a bit clunky, but I still really enjoyed it. Like, we know they're there. Everyone knows they're there. Even the characters know they're there now. We had a, a nice cameo from Foggy. We had a nice cameo from Iron Fist. We had a nice... And actually, one of my favorite dynamics was the Colleen Wing and Misty Knight dynamic I when they were in the bar. Yeah. That was awesome. And Misty was wearing red and Colleen was wearing white. It was a very, like... <laughs> <laughs> like fanboy moment even though it added nothing to like the actual plot of the show whatsoever well, no it didn't add much to the plot but i really enjoyed the character development but be- and the relationship development between colleen and misty they're they're one in the same in the way they operate and the way they feel and think and Colleen and Misty have this really good kinship that they exposed, and I really enjoyed their dynamic. Like, yeah. I wanted, I wanted more, but I understand it's Luke Cage season two, not Misty Knight or yeah. Black Mariah season one. It, it, it's interesting <laughs> if we can move on to it because I really dug Misty's arc during this season, and I also like that it didn't become just like here's six episodes with her like learning secrets about her robot arm. Like it was never yeah. about that. It was just she had an arm, and then she—that that was it, really. <laughs> that said, though, but there's two things I want to say. There, there's two things they did not pay off in this season that they kind of telegraphed, which kind of irritated me and was just like bad writing. One was they kept teasing the heroes for hire. 
obviously yeah. they kept saying like you know they're like i should hire you and luke's like i should do this and i should start charging for this and then danny had one line where it was like we should team up and i'm like yeah you should and then they kept saying and they, they would elude <laughs> they kept heroes saying for heroes for hire yeah. yeah and they kept saying it or or saying like we should hire you to be heroes or something, yeah. you know, or, or something <laughs> oh like you're that. a hero for hire now yeah and, and 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 then they never paid that off and the other one was when misty first got her arm the, the camera lingered. They telegraphed this. There was a red button yep. on her arm. <laughs> and they telegraphed it because the camera lingered on it to let the audience know there's a red button here. And she's going to press it and it's going to do something awesome. And then it never, they never paid it off whatsoever. Was that there was just like, on, on like kind of the, the, the inner knuckle right by the thumb, easily for the thumb I, to push I, down on. There was a red button, and it's like, oh my god, she's gonna push that red button sometime in the next 13 hours, and it's gonna do something awesome, and not even a sniff, not even you know a what? sniff of pushing that I, button. I'm not even 100 percent sure that that red button was there after the first couple episodes. True, yeah, but like the camera absolutely lingered on that. No, red it definitely button, did. Right? I'm like, what does yeah. that button do? How about that button? Yeah, but like they didn't even reference it, like don't push that button or anything like that, right? It was like, well, oh, that that's what that's that's again that's yeah. another trope of whatever you do. Don't press this button. Yeah, now, Homer, <laughs> don't you eat this pie? <laughs> yeah. Um, I like you, Miller. You mentioned that you you really enjoyed uh, Misty Knight's arc in this, and I would say the strongest Misty Knight moment came in possibly the worst episode of the season. Uh, I, I it was like episode was it twelve? I, I think it was it was episode like eleven or twelve, but whatever it was, where Shades was in the uh, was in the interrogation room, and Shades Shades is literally sitting there recapping what has happened in Luke Cage season one and season two, yeah, yeah. and it's like, why are we doing this? You don't like show this dialogue. This is a real like, this is a real like 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 show don't Pretty tell moment, up. right? Yeah, like like why are we sitting here watching Shades recap everything that happened in season one? But it led to a great uh, moment for Simone Missick, or however you pronounce her name, because I'm awful at pronouncing names. But like, he, where she was like in the room, just staring down Shades after he was talking for again like 20 minutes. It was awful. Um, where he's just talking about all the exploits he's done for 20 minutes, and she just like ice grills him, and he's like, "Can I get some water?" And then she's like, "Yeah, you'll get your water." And then we slowly watch her literally go get the water, which you know should be dumb, but. We slowly see her go from, like, like, she starts, like, tearing up and, like, the emotion, like, actually takes her over and the gravity of the situation and what she's hearing and all these disgusting acts that Shades has committed getting to her and she's not, like, this cold-blooded woman. But then the second she walks through the door, she's just stone-faced again and slams yeah. the water down and is like, keep going, <laughs> right? <And I> was <laughs> like... I was like, that was strong. That was. Here's strong... your stupid fucking water. <laughs> yeah, that was a really strong and well acted and, and really nice character development moment, which you know, sad to say, few and far between in these Netflix series, unfortunately. No, no, there there are two contenders for uh, you know the Emmy juice this uh, season. <laughs> she was one of them. Hey, question for you guys on that same line uh, of. Uh, the same kind of emotional beat that that moment had that I've always felt was lacking from from all these Netflix series is they always have uh, a flashback episode and they're always duds. This one was not. It was fantastic. Yeah. I because 
my only beef was I would like you're talking. I assume you're talking about Bushmasters uh, in Jamaica budget. as a kid. Yeah, my only beef, um, maybe episode seven and not episode eleven when we're kind of in the home stretch. But continue. No, I, well, I think it was good only because. One, they had to continue to ramp up the atrocities done to him. Mm-hmm. And two, uh, he had said it. He had verbalized the entire thing. So you had to forget about it before he, they could do it. So I, I totally get why they placed it there. Uh, to go back to, I can't remember who said it earlier, but about the clunky uh, Iron Fist episode, I totally think it wouldn't have felt clunky if that was earlier in the season. But, you know, so we have to split the difference, I guess, on, on our opinions there, Matt. But, mm. um, you know, I that this is the first time that I've actually really enjoyed and, and watched thoroughly one of these flashback episodes. Usually as soon as I see one come on, I walk out of the room, like go make dinner or something, come back when it's over kind of thing, or just kind of watch it peripherally as I'm walking by. It's it, it's always been a thing that's just annoyed me that they do this mechanism to draw out the season. It didn't feel like they were doing it to draw out this season. It felt like they needed to explain. They needed to turn the tides where people are, are thinking Bushmaster is your villain. They had to turn that on its head real quick. And, you know, I think they were successful in it. Yeah, I agree. Because usually they, when, yeah, when they do the background ones, it's, it's, it's really like, you're right, you can go, like, make a sandwich, use the bathroom, do whatever, because they're explaining poorly these characters 20 years before they're actually interesting, right? So you just yeah. kind of are like, eh. But this one, it was like, all right. And they had, like, I'm pretty sure they didn't actually shoot it in... in jamaica trainstown no yeah i don't think they were in kingston either for any no, of those yeah. right so uh but like at least it looked okay it, it, at least wherever they shot it, it it looked like a reasonable facsimile to kingston and and kind of a caribbean look i i acquaint it to uh the worst one of all time i think was in the iron fist when they were like we're heading to china and then they're like we're, we're in china <laughs> for like, else off the lake. Yeah. yeah we're in like yeah we're in china for one episode but it's not it's clearly that they were in like some like warehouse in new jersey right and it was just yeah. like wow really yeah they put like a sepia tone on the camera it's like get it china. <laughs> yeah, we're in china god that was so bad. i hated the uh the yeah. daredevil electra ones those ones got on my nerves i just i, I almost Turn the season off. It was like, That's I right. There were a couple of those. Yeah, Electra, oh, it was well, painful. Because it was like flashback to Electra as a child, flashback to Electra and Daredevil in college. Yeah. Well, Electra's just a terrible character to begin with. Uh, there were like four flashbacks that season, though. That's ridiculous. That oh yeah. They they had they had six real episodes. Everything else was just filler. Yeah. It was. You know, whatever. Yeah, four of those six episodes were focused on Punisher. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Daredevil Season 2 isn't that great. I'm hoping Season 3 will be a little bit more, because they really teased the board again, which is yeah. the greatest Daredevil run of all time, in my humbled opinion. Um, yeah, they really teased that at the end of Defenders, which, like, that three seconds at the end where they teased that Daredevil Season 3 was going to be the board again arc was the was the most glorious moment in Defenders. But you got to go through eight hours of crap in order to get to yeah. seconds of good stuff. I watched that again, and I was like, oh, isn't God, the villain the, the, the... Well, I didn't make it through. I just watched the one scene, the, the, the fucking Luke Cage uh, Iron Fist team up. And then after I was done with that, I, you know, I called it because I'm like, 
I kept flipping through different episodes, being like, which one is it? And I had to skip ahead, and then I went past it by accident, and I finally found the episode that, that scene is in, which is awesome. Um, but, you know, I'm like, where, they're fighting the hand. Where are all the fucking ninjas? Like, <laughs> is this is this like collectively everyone at like ABC Studios' nephews or something that's in the show? It's like, well, we got to get my nephew's face on camera. Like, I don't understand why nobody, like, you're fighting the fucking, like, the hand. Like, I don't want to see these people. I don't want to know Daryl from the hand and Steven from the hand and Janie from the hand. I want it fucking hand. You know, Sigourney Weaver, that's enough. Okay, cool. You know, you want to bring Gao into it? No problem. Yeah. You know, uh, I fucking love Nobu in the first season of uh, uh, of uh, Daredevil. So, like, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. like you want to, you want to do those kind of, like, leader kind of things? Um, the one that's... Um, uh, Colleen Wynn's old master. What's his name? Oh, Bokuto. Uh, Bokuto, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a little bit. Uh, I I didn't connect there, but whatever. But again, it's just like none of you fucking people are in ninja costumes, and I'm getting so annoyed. <laughs> I just want to see ninjas being punched. That's what I while want. We're, while we're on the defenders tie-in, I have one gigantic gripe that still continues since Jessica Jones season one. Luke Cage has fought immortal magical ninjas inside of a dragon skeleton. He lives in a world where aliens have come through a wormhole to attack New York, but he still doesn't believe Danny Rand fought a fucking dragon. Yeah, he saw that dragon. Why? It's like you literally Why? saw the bones of the dragon I fought. You fought inside of him. <laughs> yeah, that was just that was just a mess by the writers in Luke Cage season two, right? But uh, if we're gonna, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about some good moments. Um, Kevin Miller, what was your favorite moment in? Uh, can be a line, a moment, what, what, whatever. Ooh, that 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 um, that guile flash cake is a hard one to. <laughs> Yeah, so good. Um, yeah, and like, um, like, go ahead. Even even the end of the pre because that that fight is right at the beginning of the fourth episode, and it's pre- it's like the the scene right at the end of the third one where it's just Luke Cage, you know, walking down the street like he often is, and then just gets cold clocked, <laughs> just this cheap shot right in the side of the face with Bushmaster. Yeah. And he's lame. He's like, yeah, you know, Harlem is my backyard. <laughs> and like, and that led to my favorite, my single favorite line of the entire episode, because like DW walks up to him after like filming him, and Luke is like, you know, like punch drunk, and he goes, "What happened?" And he just goes, "Shava ranks knocked you the fuck out." Great. Oh man. Um, honestly, I think my single favorite moment of this entire thing, Miller, and I thought of you when this happened, was easily when. Luke was kind of winning the fight uh, on the bridge, yeah. In like episode six or seven or whatever, and then friggin' uh, Bushmaster was just like, "Shaa, pocket sand." It's like kickboxer or something. Yeah. <laughs> that that was it for me too. The pocket sand. I was like, "Oh, you're paralyzed now. I'm gonna throw you off a bridge." Like, "Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know we were doing that." Yeah, classic. Oh no, I said kickboxer there and ruined it. So I gotta fix this. Bloodsport. Yeah. It's like bloodsport. Blood right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like Bolo Young and Bloodsport. Yeah, yeah. If I could go off on a tangent here, are we ready for a Bloodsport remake, Brandon? No. No? You don't think so? Perfect, perfect movie? What about well, a Netflix, how old Netflix is, is 
Uh, I just want to see the Kumite again. I want to go back how, into that world. What's that? Let, me, let me just throw that out there. Well, like, is he gonna? He should write another book where he, you know, he, Frank Dukes goes back on a, yeah. you know, he's on a walker and he still manages to beat all these guys because he's just the best. He does the ever at everything. The legs of the walker and then like oh, knocks the guy out with the walker. What's the oh, real sweet. story with that, by the way? Is he like yet yeah, that's all bullshit, right? That whole thing, like there is a tournament, but it's not like that and it, yeah, bring the guy, I, the real guy made it all up. Yeah, I don't think it's Mortal Kombat. Like it was made <laughs> like it was made out to be in Bloodsport. Like... Do you remember that movie, the Van Damme movie The Quest? I loved that movie as a kid, man. And I, I've been trying to find it somewhere to rewatch it. Yeah. And because I know I'm going to hate it because James Raymar, I remember him yucking it up in there. And uh, yeah, I want to watch that. Speaking of Mortal Kombat like and Van Damme movies. Yeah, we sorry. Need, we, need, we need to do a Bloodsport uh, commentary track, but we're, we're off topic oh, here. Dude, <laughs> I would be down for that. I would just be yelling Kumite, Kumite for two hours in the background while you guys talk. Oh, it's real. It's really real. <laughs> so good. Um God, yeah. Misty Knight had Willem Dafoe's Boondock Saints, like... Yeah, crime, crime scene. Last season two. I forgot entirely about yeah. that. Crime scene <laughs> regeneration the, uh, powers or whatever, right? Where she's just Dominic like, Toretto. Yeah, oh yeah, to, yeah. The American. <laughs> well, Toretto's was more of the American Indian thing, right? Where he was just oil. like the gas and the oil, the tires, nos, yeah. right? And then he was able to recreate it in his head. Yeah, it was uh, very much uh, a hobbit lay here. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> oh god. Pop culture has to stop doing that. <laughs> it really does. It's a trope. It's a trope. KB, favorite scene in this season? I'm a toss-up between uh, Misty Knight, Colleen Wing, bar fight scene, and uh, Iron Fist, Luke Cage raid scene. I'm probably going to have to go with the Misty Knight, Colleen Wing bar scene just for Colleen Wing throwing her into the fight on purpose and sitting there sipping on the beer like, yeah, you got this bitch. Oh, and it was very really obvious that they'd had a few drinks. Those were already too. Yeah. <laughs> like they were slurring their. Sentences. Yeah, and I mean, just the whole. I I don't know why I keep coming back to it, but that whole dynamic between them was the just awesome. Dragon, I I know I, I I understand that they haven't really gone forward with that storyline in this stuff. No, and they probably and I think, won't. I I don't know if they will or not because they kind. Of, which is a shame because Netflix teases all. Sorry, I'm just gonna interrupt you here, KB. I, like, which is a shame because Netflix teases all of this stuff: the Heroes for Hire, the Daughters of the Dragons, etc., etc., etc. And they waste so much time in these 13-hour series that they could easily do some of this shit. Where it's like, <laughs> what if we just took an episode off and and walked around and watched Colleen Wing and and Misty Knight just do cool crap for one episode instead of like, you know, another scene with Mariah and Shade staring at each other for 20 minutes just talking nonsense. Yeah. Like, Will you sell that painting? No. And here's why. And it's like, oh god, just. <laughs> I did like that they kept bringing it up, and Shades is like, I told you to sell that fucking painting. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Just when he was at the end of his rope, at the, in like episode thirteen. Oh, yeah, he's just. He's like, just you could have just sold the painting. You could have given me the club. You could have sold that fucking painting. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. <laughs> uh, that. There, there was another one that I want to call attention to. Um scene that I enjoyed, and now I forget it. I had it like two minutes ago. God damn it. <laughs> well, here, I'll stall for you and see if for fuck's sake. Back to you. All right. <laughs> so, like, we were just talking about scenes that we like. I would say, this this is the biggest gripe that I had with the series. The Luke Cage and, and Claire Temple 
argument in in episode two or three or whenever it happened. Um, and and this is just a weird thing because we got to cheer for this guy for another ten hours or whatever goes on in, in, in this show. But it was really made difficult by the fact that Luke Cage was really fucking wrong in that scene. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. committed a borderline act of domestic violence. And it was like, what is going on here? Like, we got to cheer for this guy for another 10 hours, right? And it's just like, that really and- set me off. And then we didn't see fucking uh, Rosario Dawson for the rest of the series. which just And the best we got was the uh, story about the wall. Yeah. And that's all we got. Yeah. It, it was uh, kind of the, the, the shine off the apple for me because I said in like Jessica Jones one where Luke Cage was a, a sort of prominent character for half of it or so. Um and then in his uh, own first season, but like Mike Coulter was a teddy bear. Like he was super lovable, he was a good guy, and you wanted to you wanted him to be the hero, and he wasn't that in this season. And I mean I, I know that that was the theme of the whole season, but it you know it's something that I've really liked about this show in the past, and this season didn't have it. Like, I would agree with that, it, yeah, totally. Immediately, they make him like, okay, you're totally wrong, and you nearly beat that guy to death, and you're now committing domestic violence against Rosario Dawson. How dare you, sir? Yeah, who's been in every, unlike everybody else, has been in every season of these shows, right? And it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's we're, we're all not, and it's just the fact that the way they wrote it, he wasn't just a little bit wrong, you know? He was completely wrong in this argument. He was completely like, wrong and then oh. did a show of violence. Yeah, and it was just like, whoa, what is happening here? It's it's like, what like, happened, Luke Cage? Yeah, like, I'm like, how did it go so wrong, right? Like, yeah. this is easily fixable. Take a breath. Get a bad that. day. Yeah. Is... Is Turk in every show as well? Yeah, Turk. Yeah, yeah, Turk and, and uh, Claire Temple, I think, are the only ones who've showed up in, in every. I, I did like that Turk showed up in this one, like like the tenth episode. I'm like, oh yeah. man, I thought they were gonna, I thought they were gonna forget. No, yeah, <laughs> and then he was like, around. yeah, and he was running a bong store, which was pretty hilarious. <laughs> I thought that was right on brand for Turk, and he's just like, I'm going legit, and I was like, sure you are, Turk. Sure you are, big guy. Oh, <laughs> he's gone a long way from child trafficking. That's for yeah, sure that's from true, Dare, yeah. Daredevil season one. Very true, very true. Um, yeah, it's just it was just so strange. All the sports references in this one were weird too, as well. Like Stephen A. Smith breaking down the 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 viral video of Bushmaster <laughs> Bush kicking the shit out of out of Luke Cage. That was that was really through the like crossover podcast approved, obviously, but like that was really through the looking glass. And like Jamil Hill and Todd Bowles, the coach of the New York Jets, are like watching Luke Cage run like a 4 4 40 and stuff I'm like what am i watching right now it's well, wasn't it a 3 7 40 yeah because yeah it was something it was mm-hmm. the fastest running time and i'm like oh man where chris johnson's got to be pissed about this because like, <laughs> chris johnson like his legacy will be every year watching the combine to see if someone breaks his like 410 right like it's just oh god <laughs> and that, that was where the usain bolt thing came where because the one guy goes like extrapolate that and he's faster than usain bolt and then bushmaster's <laughs> like drinking rum going like he's not faster than you saying Bolt right? like, so um, I, I did remember the other scene I liked um, and uh, I'm giving it up to my minor character of the year award to Piranha yeah that's right yeah <laughs> Who, is who just stole every scene he was in, who and is a uh, character in the comic books, and has uh, the shark teeth. 
Yeah, it invited Luke Cage to his uh, his uh, Wall Street bro party, <laughs> where one dude proceeded to smash a bottle over Luke Cage's head and then get chokeslammed. <laughs> And they're like, yeah, do what you did. Oh. Yeah, Ghostface Killer was there rapping. Yeah, that was, that was good stuff. I believe there was a digital... Somebody referenced the Humpty Dance and something. Yeah, digital underground. Yeah, so good. Um, yeah, Piranha was a lot of fun. And then they cut off his head and fed him to Piranhas. Uh, that was pretty funny. That's very comic book cliche. I, Ironic. Yeah, I enjoyed that very much. Um, Don't you think? We are deep into this podcast, and we are yet to mention... Dr. Nightshade! Yes, Dr. Nightshade, played by... <laughs> who played Nightshade? Gabrielle Denise, who was just... Woo! Stunning. My God in heaven. Um, showed up at the end with the poop balls, which was awesome. And... Uh, I, I really enjoyed what they did with her character in this. I mean, I she they had her in a lot of scenes with Brandon. I know you were messaging me about this uh, earlier. Yeah. Um, they put her maybe one too many scenes with uh, just her and Alfre Woodard because you know, yeah, and that was a bad call, man. Like it's just different classes of actors. You know, you was... talk about that monologue in the yeah. when they were in the lockdown. Oh, and yeah. it's literally like like cutting between the, the analogy I think I used with you was like, cutting between a little league player and Babe Ruth, like yeah. back and forth. And it was it was actually nauseating because the material that we were you know we were talking about Bloodsport, like that monologue. If you give it to me or you or someone like that, that monologue is wooden as all yeah, fucking hell. It work, it's yeah. terrible. But when you know when it's in uh, like you know especially she's embodying the character of Mariah Dillard. So like Alfre Woodard is just like, I, I I'm blown away by her in this season because, mm-hmm. and I didn't really like it last season to be quite honest, but this season she's, you, it, she shows you why, you know, she, she's elevating the material so much, why she is the villain, you know? Yeah. Um, this, this was the other one that I was going to give the Emmy juice to for this season. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that scene, it's just, it's it's her that's the acting it's not the material it's not how it's shot it's not the editing because that is all just tv that's tv quality (laughs) but she did it you know in that scene for me and uh yeah but you know not that i'm 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 knocking what's her name gabrielle denis yeah denis yeah i don't know uh, okay uh but in any case yeah not that i'm knocking her but Mm. i i i I didn't particularly like her character other than that I could tell they were the where the writing was was interesting. She was playing both sides, kind of sitting on the fence. I like that. And there was some compassion and you you saw the compassion disappearing as the season went along. So you saw a, a it was a character arc. It was proper. You know, I understood it. I was along for the ride. Um but I didn't I wasn't drawn to her the same way that you know, I was with a lot of the other, uh, a lot of the other main uh, players in in the series. Like even, you know, Shades, I didn't particularly like him last season. I thought he was interesting, but I didn't think he was. You know, I thought that he was a number one henchman kind of thing. He's, you know, he's he was, you know, for later on Diamondback and at first Cottonmouth's kind of. Uh, you know, uh, Jonathan Frakes or something like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like that's what I expected out of him. You know, I was just waiting for him to put a leg up on a chair, you know? Um, but I like a lot more in this season for sure. Yeah. He was fantastic this year, you know? And, and so uh, the, uh, all the actors really elevated the material, but I thought that she was the one that didn't for me, you know, so much. So, 
that I also liked, and then now if we're going to talk about Shades a little bit, um, they uh, kind of doubled down on what they sort of maybe almost tried to do with uh, Tessa Thompson and Thor Ragnarok, and they made a very openly bisexual character in yeah. a Marvel universe. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Well, although there was more of the thing of, like, I mean, I wouldn't really say it was gay, but it, it was prison, you know? It's, well, it's a whole prison... <clears throat> That's that whole well, Mariah, Mar- Mariah yeah. says it. You're, were you just gay for the stay? True. Yeah, that was an actual line, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. Yeah, and there's another thing. And while we're on the prison subject, I watched enough Oz to know that you don't hand your shank over to somebody. Like, oh yeah, yeah. what the that fuck? That was ridiculous, right? I was like, what are you doing? And she I had, had to like, watch that scene twice because I thought I missed something. Yeah, because like, she just hands over and like she had like the friggin'. Uh, like one of my favorite, I probably my literal favorite episode of Oz, which I just I binge watched like the entire season like a couple months ago, so it's still like pseudo fresh in my mind. My favorite episode is the one where uh, Augustus Hill is like explaining to everybody the three different types of shanks, and I was just like, huh, I wonder if this is true. And they actually had like the Gillette bayonet or whatever it's called, where they have like a razor like attached to the end of a pencil or whatever the fuck it was and she's just like hey can i please have that shank and then she's like sure here you go and then she gets killed and i'm like what are you doing right you know, oh my hubris exactly you don't just give over your shank that yeah. was ridiculous that scene that scene was the rarely seen quadruple cross <laughs> yeah and it was like ridiculous too because like mariah dillard is apparently in a prison with no cameras no <laughs> backup prison yeah no one mentions that scene ever yeah. again <laughs> do you remember that episode of, i don't know if you guys watched brooklyn 99 but that the episode oh, yeah. where he's like oh, we, we we do what we always do when when a guard is about to beat down a a prisoner we turn all the cameras away and we pull all, you know like yeah. that whole thing it's like that you know oh mariah dillard's gonna be killed just turn all the cameras to face the yes, wall or yeah. they're, they're you know so it's perfect <laughs> But you know what? That is a nice bait and switch. As much as I'm totally yeah. with you, Matt. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, "Oh fuck, she's getting out of the season. Like we're gonna have another Mariah season." Yeah. Um, and I was totally surprised that that mm. she didn't make it out. And admittedly, she did. She did get her last laugh. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, true. she knew she knew what was happening. Uh, cause she's still you know on her game and uh and gave the club to Luke and uh, fuck you know is is interesting. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to Gabrielle Denise for a second, because I, I think I completely agree with you, but I thought that she got stronger as the season went on. Um, oh. Brandon, like, I think you're right in that moment, uh, the, oh. the, the sizzle, the Emmy sizzle reel, as, as Miller put it, um, you could definitely see the gap between her and Alfre Woodard. But then when we got to episode 13, I think the two of them got a little bit more comfortable. And then, really? so, yeah, so just in that, in that last scene when they're in the prison right before she gives her the poison kiss, like, just the way she's staring at her with the way her character kind of went, I thought that was her strongest moment, where it was just, like, you could completely see the vitriol. She had resolved. And, yeah, really? And, and the resolve and stuff, I thought. Really? Like, yeah. I think, I think that was her strongest moment, and then she gave her the poison kiss and stuff. I thought that, I thought oh, that man. worked. I thought that season. I I just I thought she got a little bit stronger as as it went around. But I I still agree with you that uh, early stages it was touch and go and <laughs> and Alfred's like sizzle reel was not even close unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm gonna go back and watch it again and and take 
your thoughts and into you know into account like, because I thought it, I felt the opposite. I believed really? her more as like a doe-eyed, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, I'm you know I'm just gonna do whatever I feel like because I'm right. a rebellious teenager living in the body of a you know a 27 year old kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like I believed that uh, once she started to kind of turn, you know, more confrontational with her mother. Um, and less kind of fearful of her mother and just kind of going along for the ride and hoping for the best, this kind of hopeful, youthful naivete. Mm -hmm. Once she lost that in her character, I felt as though um, I could, again, what we were talking about where it's, you know, I'm looking at someone acting and I'm looking at someone, I don't know, like being or something. Like, I don't want to sound like a fucking douchebag. Like, you know, it's inside the actor's studio. Like, oh, I just be. I don't, act, you know, flick yeah. cigarette. But you know what I mean? Uh, like, I, I, I felt as though she never made that transition. But I'm going to go back and take what you're saying into account. Maybe maybe that'll that'll touch me a little bit more this time. Kind of even maybe knowing where it's going. Because yeah. admittedly, I was kind of hoping that she, she would... Uh, somehow kind of steer clear of her mother's you know wrath and rise above her you know kind of uh gene pool you know so to speak well knowing sorry knowing what we know about the character she was supposed to be portraying i think it worked out really well that they developed her into a villain towards the end of the season and trying to kind of gave you that okay here's gonna be we're going to see her as uh, Nightshade coming up in the next season or whatever iteration they decide because she was definitely pissed off when at the Will reading that Cage got the club. Mm. So yeah, that, I, that was her actual strongest acting moment, I thought. Yeah, was, was, I agree. Because she did like that lip smack thing where she was just like... Okay. Yeah, there was tons <laughs> yeah, like, of like, teeth in this. It, yeah, it was it was, it was the tip, it was, was the typical girl. Oh no, you didn't. But, but yeah, but she just was like she just did the like okay, that and then thing, got yeah. up and left the room with the like you will be paying for this, you know, like type of bad guy <laughs> swagger. But like I, I I I like I think her strongest moments acting wise were just I think she was really good at at delivering silence I think like just at, at like getting that's why I like the scene in the prison with her and, and I just thought that she held her own in that season in that scene Brandon is the way I would describe it yeah like I, th- I think she held her own in that season or sorry in that scene in the prison um, as opposed to the, you know the scene when Alfred Woodard was doing the background about how she she was raped by her uncle and and yeah and she was the problem which just uh, you know obviously was tragic shit but uh she yeah she did not hold her own in that scene the way I felt she did like I'm not trying to say that she's like she was going toe to toe with Alfred Woodard in that scene which is not no. the case I just felt like she rose to the challenge a little bit more. In I scene. agree with you with regards to the scene in, in uh, when when the last Will and Testament was being read I mm-hmm. thought that was a, an excellent scene and to go back to what you were saying KB like um, I don't I've never read a Power Man comic just to be clear mm-hmm. I you, you can well, you can give me the most even... obscure like. DC character and I know who they are. I have I have no idea the like Nightshade's a Captain the, the America of... villain though. If if I like I believe she originated in Captain America. She was like an assassin or something that tried to mm. kill Captain America, if I remember correctly. Ah. Uh... Like okay, so well, you know, she's not like fucking Modoc or you know no, like a, true, a Red yeah. Skull or something like you want to Right, yeah. And to be honest, even my cap knowledge is is good, but it's not great. Like I picked up uh, the new the cap 
one book that came out today. I picked that up today. I got the the David Mack variant, which is just fucking awesome. Looks so cool. But yeah, um, I, that like that's the first Captain America book I bought in a store that I haven't just read in a fucking library or something in probably the better part of two decades. Like, you know, um, so even at that, you know, my my Marvel knowledge is good, but I have no fucking idea about this character, so I'm not gonna profess to be like I knew where it was going. I just didn't feel as though the way they were writing it was I felt that she had her arc before that moment. But again, I'll do my research. Uh, you know, uh, may, they, maybe they Bushmaster's just... son will come back with the snake legs, you know, <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Right? You know, I know about that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm not I've never been a, a big and Matt, you're going to hate me. I'm no, I've never been a big Iron Fist guy. I love the character, but I've never read his, you know, him standalone. The I've never been run. a big. Yeah, the Immortal Iron Fist Brubaker run is is the greatest one of all time. Is the greatest one. Of all time. Well, I like Brubaker, so yeah, you know, just, give it yeah. a shot. Yeah, read that one is is what I'll say. Next time I nope. co- uh, next time I come down to Toronto, I'll bring you my copy. Right um, on. Yeah. I'm reading. We're on, on again. the subject of of uh, <laughs> villains for season three. Uh, Luke Cage. Uh, I'm just gonna say this: Tombstone. Tombstone needs to be the villain for season three of Luke Cage. Okay, moving like, on. Not like like I, like I like I replied to you. As long as he brings Hammerhead and Silvermane. Yeah, yeah, that was a big. Uh, K, KB had that. That was a big contestant for you. Was why the hell didn't they just make the Italian mobsters the Silvermanes, right? Instead yeah. Whatever the hell. Absolutely. Had, generic Italian last name that they gave him, like Carbone or whatever the fuck it was. Well, Carbone, I I researched it because yeah. I didn't apparently carbone is actually a marvel villain Mm -hmm. but she's very short-lived yeah so but uh, like like i said in jessica jones season two why wasn't it why wasn't it alistair Smythe? why isn't there silver mane why haven't we seen anything more from uh i'm just wondering and i'm wondering now that you say it out loud i'm wondering if this happens for my tombstone thing too i wonder if those guys are under the spider-man flag and spider-man Fox, Fox thing. i was just the thinking the same thing yeah it, now that i say that out loud that might i'm push, not sure because we know that they've got the rights to some of the spider spider guys but well they're gonna have yeah. it all soon they're gonna have it all soon so true yeah here's if, if fox the deal goes through or whatever it is um well, what what does that have to do with sony true yeah, very true. Um, but uh, may I may I ask, with regards to like the the, the trend of villains here, um, and you also mentioned Captain America. Uh, fucking Bushmaster lands in America and is like, I'm taking over Brooklyn. Where the fuck was Cap this whole time? That's true, right? And fighting, he's just, just chill. fighting. He wasn't Thanos. at his apartment. Yeah, yeah. I that I think we're led to believe that this particular season of Luke Cage is happening alongside of Infinity War, but not at the end. Because I was I was wondering, but for I don't know, they they never. Well, why would you pick Brooklyn though? You can pick any borough. Sure, you know what yeah. I mean? Let's it's... go take over Queens. Ah, he's, I don't know. He's a big big Yankees fan. Bushmaster, I guess he didn't want Mets territory. It's the same as didn't uh, Jessica Jones go up to Westchester and uh, you know like yeah, yeah at one a, point it's like a, oh not a sniff of the fucking X Men whatsoever well because I can't yeah. so why even fucking do True, it yeah. why even mention it exactly you know people are just gonna call you on it just say boss 
Austin, right? Like, yeah. like what are you doing? How what a what a fuck what a mind fuck would it have been if like episode ten just like half the cast turns to dust though? Yeah, that's what I was wondering <laughs> if they were gonna do that. So oh, okay. they can't. Like, okay. It's a different company technically now. Yeah, and they don't. Yeah, they and they never. They they just they're never gonna connect uh, the the movies with the Netflix series for. I like and it just sucks because man that'd be so sweet if they did and yeah not the as long as the old regime there true but they've at... got the excuse now in the infinity war of boy we're really short-staffed after thanos blinked everyone out of existence maybe get the blind guy from hell's kitchen to help them worst case scenario he's cannon fodder right so... yeah and it's amazing wow. how hard marvel is even pressing daredevil on like kids merchandise I've noticed that a lot, you know, there's a lot of Avengers stuff and then you just all of a sudden you just see, you know, Daredevil's head floating around on there. Something like those even those the vans that are being sold now. Everything is like Captain America, Hulk, Spider-Man, Daredevil. That's that's weird. You You should have saved that character, maybe. Most of us grew up in the early 90s and 80s when they were marketing rated R movies to kids for toys. So, I mean... Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the RoboCop movies and toys and all that other stuff, it doesn't mean that much. But, like like Pierce said, it would be amazing if we could get the crossover. I mean, can you imagine if all of a sudden, while they were fighting the hand, Spider-Man came into the scene and was like, hey, guys, what's up? Yeah. (laughs) Like, uh, or, yeah, or if... All of a sudden, and they could keep him in the suit too, so they wouldn't even have to pay friggin' Tom Holland. <laughs> yeah, movies, exactly. Right? So, just phones it in. Because like, what do you well, not want like Spider-Man to do more than take off his mask, right? Like, you never want him to take off his mask. That was the most annoying part of the Tobey Maguire ones. Is Tobey Maguire, they paid him all that money, so they would always be like, "Have his mask fall off during the sequences, so like we can see his face," because we're paying him all this fucking money, right? So yeah, you wouldn't even need to do that in the Netflix series. You could just have a guy in a suit and then pay some stuntman like five bucks an hour or whatever the hell it is to like pretend (laughs) to be Spider-Man. And isn't uh, isn't he friends uh, Tom Holland? Isn't he buddies with uh, Bernthal? Isn't that buddies buddies with everybody? Tom Holland. Yeah, Holland was uh, was like. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, Bernthal was helping Holland prep for Spider-Man, and then they did the reverse. Yeah, when, I remember, when he I remember went seeing for... photos on Twitter of the two of them hanging out and stuff like that, yeah, or like some Instagram posts of the two of them having a time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, ah, great stuff. Uh, yeah, Adam, Luke Cage. Other than what I said, it, it, you know, other than the couple problems I had, I mean, like I said, my biggest problem was was Luke Cage basically domestically abusing, like, I mean, not really, but borderline Claire Temple. On the well, cusp, I mean, yeah. that's that's yeah. that's the step that's the stepping stone, right? First, yeah. you're punching walls, then you're punching yeah. women, then you're punching children, right? And there's also yeah. featured uh, friggin' cockroach, who is a Luke Cage yeah. character, who was well, actually the reason the fight started is because Luke Cage beat that guy within an inch to his life. Exactly right, who was beating upon like so he had become what he like, which in that parallels scene, are pretty but... obvious. Thanks, yeah. thinking... Thinking back to favorite scenes, shout out to the old lady scene where she hits on Luke Cage. Oh, that was yeah. hilarious. Oh, yeah. hilarious. Good on her trying to get it in. Um, it's interesting too, looking at the series, the two seasons. You have one season that's essentially his rise, and then the second season being kind of his descent. You know, when you watch him, he, he kind of falls apart from all of the things that he says he wants to be. Um, also, I totally want that. What, what, what shirt uh, of Luke's was uh, 
Iron Fist wearing when he was he has a shirt on a Luke Cage shirt and it's fucking awesome. I want that hoodie. Didn't he put the Run DMC one on? No, I yeah. know uh, it's not because it, it, it has gold writing. Right. It's the last. It's, it's, it's from that Luke infiltration Cage? scene. Yeah, was no. it just the old Luke Cage gold writing thing that they use for the logo and everything, or? It's that writing style, but I'm trying to remember what the shirt is because I, I loved it and I wouldn't have just been sold on on that. It was what it said that got me, but I can't remember what it is now. It's something that that was said in the series. Sorry, and I also wanted to just quickly circle back to the second thing after what I was going to say. Well, Cap, do you think they're ever going to do anything to tie in the whole Serpent Society? Like, explain why everyone just fucking arbitrarily has (laughs) snake names? Snake names, no. Uh, Yeah, I don't think they're not gonna. They're not gonna even try to explain that. Just you know, like I know they did such a poor job with the hand. I'm almost afraid of it. You know, like it's just gonna. They're gonna own a fucking bank. That's what they're. Are they gonna be pharmacists? Like that's what it's gonna be, <laughs> in the Netflix world. But you know, uh, I kind of. It would be nice. It, it's just kind of ar- an arbitrary floating thing at this point that there's about a half dozen African American men walking around, uh, you know, just proclaiming I am insert snake name here. You know what I mean? Like it's an odd thing uh, if they don't somehow know each other. I, I don't know. It's just a thought. Yeah, I just googled Danny and he was wearing the Sweet Christmas T-shirt, but it's Sweet it's a, Christmas, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it said yeah. Sweet Xmas on it. Xmas, yeah. yeah, I liked, I, I really liked it. Be, yeah, you know, it looked good. it. The swag it was slick. the swag was awesome. Like I would have, I would have absolutely got the uh, the Luke Cage, like the one where, but it was the old Run DMC logo. Run DMC one, yeah, yeah. I did like that one too. Yeah, oh, so good. And they kept playing like stuff from the Seventh Chamber during their oh, during dude, their fight. yeah. And when KRS One showed up, like you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. his best performance I've ever seen. But I felt like I was fucking twelve again. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that no, was great. Friggin <laughs> you know, which Faith Evans which is and like... Jada Kiss at one point. I'm like, oh man, am I at a dance in grade six? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I know. Great. It's like I can remember being at at you know friends' houses at that age. You know, when you're first starting to explore music that isn't just on like your dad's stereo or your mom's stereo this kind of thing and i remember you know like very for example like you know i fucking love the hell out of wu-tang and they had uh, Ghostface was in the season right mm-hmm. uh and like uh you know and inexplicably because i was also listening to like terrible new metal and shit uh and and that's hey, one thing don't yeah. diss my new metal <laughs> oh okay <laughs> I we I was sitting around last night uh, with Paula doing uh, impressions of Jonathan Davis, and she was she's been uh, she can't get it out of her head now. So uh, you know, if you want, I can just start doing various uh, you know new metal singers impressions for you. Once the show's over, we'll 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 do the after show where I, you know I do my <laughs> new metal impression hour. But uh, yeah, you know, like I just I I love the the mix of of these cultural touchstones and then. You know, um, and then some some new stuff like the first season has some amazing tracks I'd never fucking heard before, you know, Um, and like playing music. uh, I'm always excited to hear anything of any genre that just kind of blows your hair back, you know, to steal like a Goodwill hunting line. But like I feel that way about music that that character felt about books, you know. Uh, and and this this show just does it in space. Every time I get fucking, I get goosebumps 
you know, to the, the musical selections. It's amazing. Yeah, they're so good. Like, and we, we brought up a few earlier, I think, before you came on. Like, they had Gregory Isaac's Night Nurse on during the scene when Luke Cage was... Uh, didn't was... they have it twice? Probably, but like definitely during the scene when he was like they were you know doing PG love PG thirteen love scenes with uh, Claire Temple yeah, playing yeah, Nightmare yeah. played you know Bob Marley's Redemption song in in uh, in season thirteen or in episode thirteen I was saying while they were all the Jamaican guys were like getting the hell out of town and stuff like that right and uh, God who else oh just friggin' oh God. Big Payback by uh, James Brown. Like, they, like when yep. he was walking through the thing, listening to, to Big Payback and stuff when he was beating up all the Italian mobsters and stuff like that. It's just... Luke, like, same as season one, the greatest character in Luke Cage so far has been the music selection. When it's not Absolutely. close, really. It's just... Hopefully they keep that going. Because, honestly, after they tossed Mahershala Ali out, out the window in season one, that was the only thing that kept me watching that... that I, that kept me plowing through Luke Cage season one was the fact that they oh, yes. the oh, the yeah. best scene the best scene in season one was when uh, Marsha Shala Ali was standing in front of Jadena and Jadena was basically singing to him about everything that he was thinking Absolutely. yeah exactly and that was that was scene. the that was best amazing. and that's that if they can manage to take the music mm-hmm. style or function from this show and put it in the rest of them like if you use metal for Punisher and mm-hmm. uh, '90s alt rock for Iron Fist, or were, I don't know. Yeah, well, I was gonna say there were a few musical cues in this se- season. Excuse me. Um, that had like that hip hoppy kung fu-y aspect to me, where it sounded a lot like some of the stuff that the RZA did for Kill Bill. Yeah. Well, some of it was Wu Tang. That's yeah, why. Yeah, some of it was Wu Tang, obviously. But there were there were a few that like I I couldn't maybe I I was just mishearing it, but it sounded like a, original stuff anyway. And it and it possibly just, it gave me that vibe, which really fits this show. Like they did, they did a lot of good stuff in Luke Cage season two. I gotta I gotta I gotta say it was it was surprise. And I'll be honest, I was not excited coming off of of, of Jessica Jones season two, which was just like heaps of trash from beginning to end. Yeah, in, in every aspect of how you can pro- possibly put together a television show, acting, writing, just what went on in the scenes, and just like the villains they chose, and just the themes that they tried to execute but just didn't. Coming off of that, I gotta say I was not excited to watch Luke Cage season two, especially after the fact that I hated half of season one, and I was pleasantly surprised. Like it definitely dragged a little in the middle, and again why these Netflix Marvel shows need to be 13 episodes instead of 8, 9, or 10, depending on how good, how much material they've got. I don't know. Maybe it's a monetary thing that they got to get paid for 13 episodes, but again... That would be actually interesting to see if the contracts that the actors sign are for X amount of seasons, X amount of episodes, so they have, like... So they have to get them in X amount of times, or have X amount of screen time, or something like that. Like I'm not an expert on Hollywood or all that other stuff. I think that generally TV actors are paid by episode. Mm. Yeah, they don't have to exercise that though. Even if they tie them up, they don't have to 
do it. They just have them if they want to use them. Yeah, and it's probably you know. completely different because this is Netflix and not network television, right? So I'm I'm not so sure because the there's a story that just came out about how uh, Seinfeld because I think it's. 75k per episode of comedians and cars getting coffee mm-hmm. so i think it is still it's still on per episode basis yeah well, so you might for have seinfeld though right but if the four of us pitched and pitched a a yeah. show to netflix like uh, like one of the shows i want to pitch to netflix and tm on this one is uh... yeah no but what but what i'm saying is the content the contract structure is probably similar mm-hmm. so you've got all of these all these agents and all these agencies pushing for, well, my client wants this or else they're not going to be in your show kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah but I'm you just do saying... Have, you do have some sort of... <laughs> and at do... that point, they're like, we replaced the fucking Hulk. Do you think we can't replace to you? Yeah. Like, that's what that's what I would say. Yeah, Goodbye. That, like, that, yeah. I, you know, I don't care. If you are if you need a fucking Marvel TV show, like, yeah, yeah we're, we're in high regard here, but you're I'm not getting calls from... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's also we were... like, yeah, it's also like, like they've got Marvel Netflix, which is obviously <laughs> juiced in and has a little bit of rub, right? But like, if the four of us pitched my show to Netflix, where we document flat earthers trying to find the edge of the Earth, which I, you know, TM, uh, but. <laughs> Like if we did that, Netflix is, is going to have a a completely different contract for us, right? Than yeah, they it's going to be for like based Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, than they would for Jerry Seinfeld sitting down and basically like because comedians in in cars getting coffee is basically a visual podcast, right? Like it's like if you watch that show, it's it's literally Seinfeld sitting down and having a conversation with like David Letterman, and it's like they just happen to be shooting it where they're in a car and then driving to a. Uh, a, a coffee, coffee shop, shop right? yeah, and then it, and also they the show didn't start just, there. Yeah, exactly, and they they, they it, produce it, so they might purchase mm-hmm. them at a rate of seventy five thousand dollars per Bingo, episode, right? And, and you know, they're like Netflix again is not going to give my flat Earth, not going to give us seventy five k per episode for our flat Earther show, right? Like, even though I still think we could get that green lit because they'll buy anything. Um, oh, they'll buy anything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they need all. They we could need, we could yeah. start the show with the sentence: "People around the world yeah. know that it is flat." <laughs> yeah, and they would they would they would green light it. They'd be like, "There's yeah. there's nothing wrong with that sentence." Absolutely, Kevin Miller. Uh, anything else you want to add before giving our final grades to Luke Cage season two? Um, I will add that uh, we we kind of uh, talked about it and around it a few times, but I think that. Uh, for a lot of these shows, having my perspective where, you know, I'm not, I, I, like Brandon was saying earlier, like, I know, I know fucking everyone in the DC universe, but my, my, my knowledge of Marvel Universe is a kind of surface level, and, and I don't know who all these minor villains are, especially when you get down to, like, people who are on Netflix shows, so Dr. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that Nightshade was a character. I didn't know that Bushmaster was a character. At least Bushmaster came out and said, "Hey, my name is Bushmaster." Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, so I think that having that perspective <laughs> is sometimes interesting. Um, the, the we were talking about the uh, prison scene a lot, and I think that going into that, the only sort of clue I had that something was coming was that uh, before that it showed her mixing something up and there yeah. was like the Spanish on the recipe card that says like Beso de la Ara- Araña. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, my, you know, 
my 101 Canadian white guy <laughs> Spanish knowledge is like, oh, Spider's Kiss. She's going to do like a Poison Ivy, you know, Joel Schumacher, yeah. Kiss of Death on her. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm just watching her for the whole scene. I'm like, oh, so, you know, you guys were saying like you weren't necessarily getting that she was, you know, stone cold in that scene, but I was because I was waiting for it. <laughs> Yeah, and that was actually really cool. And no, no, I, I, I was waiting for the poison for the poison kiss too, because they really telegraphed yeah. showing her like mixing the batter when she ran it. Well, it no, like, I mean, if it had stuff, been yeah. like you know, if it had been in English on that car, like the spider's kiss, I'd be like, you know, everyone would know that. But I'm yeah. like, hey, there's one level of abstraction. Yeah. Where I don't know that this is a villain. I don't know that you know what necessarily mm-hmm. she's doing here. But here's my guess. Yeah. And because I'm waiting for it, like I can kind of tell, like, oh. She's playing super cold here. She's playing super resolved. Like she knows what she came here to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I was that, at that point, just like, okay, well, is she gonna like, you know, give her the kiss of death or, or not? What's happening here? That was another really good Alfre Woodard moment too, when she did the cell, in where she was like mid speech, where she goes like, and you know what else I don't like about you, Luke Cage? I. Blah! <laughs> do you know what my thought was during that scene Matt I'm yeah. like they're gonna pin Luke Cage on this he's gonna go back to jail again I was yeah. thinking the same yeah I thought so too right and the scene the I'm scene, gonna do my boy Luke Cage for this yeah and the scene before too when she was talking to Shades cause they talked about like maybe getting Shades on like the domestic violence thing and then flipping it around yeah. on him I thought that like because uh, uh, was it Kingpin's lawyer who was in like every episode or whatever? Like yeah, he I, when he walked out, I thought she was gonna say something like, "Did you get that?" And they were gonna be like recording him the whole time, and I was just gonna be like, "Oh shades, you suck so hard, right?" Like uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but thankfully it didn't go down like that. Because um, as would... as fun as Alfred Woodard was, I was ready for the Mariah, the Black Mariah character to go <laughs> by the end of this. So. I wanted to bring up one thing. Yeah, go ahead. The the Judas bullet. Yeah, they did. Did they explain why that didn't work? They yeah. just kind of this. They kind of went. Did they shoot? He shot me with the Judas bullet, and it didn't work. And they're just like. And he was like, "I'm just as surprised as you." And they never explained why. <laughs> well, and Claire like, says it. Claire yeah. says when we rebuilt now. you, we made you you know better stronger whatever now you're the seven million dollar man you know Uh, she says something about like how they they made his uh skin like even tighter woven or something like that i can't remember how they explain it but they it's it's a throwaway line you're absolutely right it's so brief that you know if you you know if you have a sip of something you're you're gonna look away from the screen look back and it's over like you can't I was trying to think of something that would make a sound and i couldn't so sorry the joke fell flat but whatever you'd miss it (laughs) Yeah, that guy was in the, the the guy who shot him with the Judas bullet, Arturo Ray, I think the the actor who played him was also in Oz, and he the thing he went to jail for because they would always do the prison flashbacks in Oz was he threw Peter Dinklage off a roof. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was the guy who threw Peter Dinklage <laughs> off a roof. So. Uh, oh fuck. So, yeah, so like, I kept seeing that because he had the crooked eyes, right? And I was just like, oh, it's that guy from like, from from Oz. That was great. Yeah, yeah. Did um, the early episode uh, hubris from Luke Cage after that too, where he like goes on TV and he's like, I can never die. Oh, and he did the dab. <laughs> Oh god, how did we get like nearly an hour and a half into this and not <laughs> not bring up the fact that Luke Cage how they do my boy Luke Cage like that where he does the dab about, dab on like, about oh, like yeah. a, a year and a half too late, I would say. Yeah. Like, like, well I'm, maybe that's what's placing it on the timeline. It's I like guess, oh he's dabbing, yeah. okay, it's this year. 
True, yeah, so that would explain why he uh, he wasn't uh, blinked away at the end of the episode, or at the end of the series, right? Yeah, because the dab was still in. Oh, that was bad, though. Like, when he did the dab, I was like, oh, no, because I'm like, even I know that set of touch, right? Like, yeah, but ooh. you can explain that away by not having him not be a hip teen. True, I suppose. But I mean, like, I got like, Oh, dad. Good, but, like, good dab, dad. True, but like... Here's the thing. Here's how you know when something's dead. And, and this is just me being a sports guy. When golfers start doing stuff, that's when it's dead. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's when it's dead. When you see golfers doing stuff. Like, I remember the time of death for the for the Gangnam Style was uh, whatever year Gangnam Style was in, was in right? I, I want to say, like, uh, what? 2012. 2012? Okay, that far back. Wow. Um, 2012. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, no, good on yeah, you. Yeah, when now. the world ended. Yeah, This exactly. is all This is all in your mind. This is a construct True. of your mind. The world's over, man. I remember they did the, I forget which golf tournament it is, but it's the one where the Europeans face off against the, the Americans in, in uh, which I was like the Pro-Am or something like that. Either way, there's golf guy, golf guy screaming at the thing telling me what the tournament is. But one, of the, one of the European guys, like made like a nice chip shot and then started doing the Gangnam style and I was like oh geez Gangnam style time of death <laughs> like, like it was just like oh no it was just bad yeah when, when golfers start doing something that's when it's done and I know I've definitely seen golfers do a dab or two and it's just like oh no right like see like, now you have to deploy that like strategically right like yeah it, it's, it's and give like the Nazi salute I guess yeah <laughs> Nazis are over <laughs> yeah Nazis are done oh man um Kyle Brown, uh, rating for Luke Cage season two. I'm gonna give it a solid B. Okay. It kept me entertained in most parts. It was a bit slow, but overall watchable, good, great character dynamics for everyone who wasn't Shades and Mariah, and not bad. Yeah. Kevin Miller. Uh, I'm gonna say somewhere along B plus A minus, as long as we're grading on a curve, which is to say that there's <laughs> definitely some issues with this uh, season. But it was, and then you know the 13 episode thing is still a problem. But uh, I would still rather watch this one again than almost any other Netflix Marvel series. Uh, Brandon Fleet, official grade for Luke Cage season two. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a B as well. I, you know, I liked, I liked all the character arcs, or at least a lot of the new characters. I liked what they did with Luke. Uh, that Bushmaster Luke warehouse team up fight scene was awesome. It got me going. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, in any case, um, yeah, I, I think, I think, like Kevin said, I would totally rewatch it over most of the other Netflix stuff. I enjoyed the Punisher series, dragged a little bit off, off the top end and whatnot, but it was great. Uh, and I really liked the first season of Daredevil, but I put it either right up there with those two, or or you know, or slightly below. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. a good show. Daredevil season watch one it. is still the standard. They, they they've been yeah. chas- they've been chasing that. Oh yeah. I, I, for, for, for me, it's Daredevil one or JJ one, depending on what I have for breakfast that morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Sorry, I can't believe I didn't mention that. Like that's yeah, probably Jessica top Jones, of the list. Yeah, Jessica, Jessica Jones, Jones the first, season one was yeah. phenomenal. The first was two really were, really good TV. Yeah, the first two I think are are the best two, and then Punisher season one is in there, and then I think this is is in is is in that tier of. Uh, of this uh b minus from from matt pierce i think for for 
Luke Cage season two. It's it's solid, but definite, you know, room for improvement. I think if we I think if we buck down to like nine episodes, we'd be talking like B plus, maybe A minus for Matt. I'm not as uh, I'm not as high on it as, as Kevin was with the. With yeah, the, and, uh, and I think, I think the, the difference was I kind of binged this once, so it was a it was a breezy watch for me. It felt. It felt didn't feel like the full thirteen hours that say you know JJ two or even the Punisher did like JJ two and Iron I don't like the Punisher but it felt yeah. JJ two and the Iron Fist are are just unconscionably bad. Yeah, I remember when we did our Defenders review, and my the best thing I could say about it was that it was blessedly short at eight episodes. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, Defenders was also like Defenders is in that category with I think JJ. Uh, JJ season two and uh, Iron Fist, but like mercifully, the thing that I think maybe puts it a tear up from them is mercifully, mercifully, yeah. it was only eight two good fight scenes and, and mercifully short. Yeah, God, the uh, yeah, just the whole Sigourney Weaver thing where they were like setting her up to be like Rachel Gulil and, and Electra just as always, Electra ruins any and everything she touches in comic books, yeah. movies, or... Yeah, they had a bad plot, series. and they ruined it for a worse plot. <laughs> yeah, so bad. Um, crossover Podcast, available at thecrossoverpodcast.com, facebook.com slash crossoverpodcast, and soundcloud.com slash crossoverpodcast. We will be back next week with, you guessed it, Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is out in a day or two. So wow. check for check back uh, next week we will be spoiling the fuck out of uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp because I assume everybody's going to go see it this weekend I might be able to catch it tomorrow which is going to be pretty sweet so by the time people are listening to this I might have already seen it so that's pretty good <laughs> um, uh, Brandon uh, Fleet do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, Movies from My Life is coming back soon. We uh, found a new location to, to tape out of, so we're going to move to East's house and take over his place. Uh, also, uh, Exploding Earths. Nick and my new, my, mine, my uh, new comic book show where we argue about stuff. I think the first couple episodes should be out soon. Uh, he's picked... Uh, the Shattered Grid story arc from uh, Mighty Morphin and Go-Go Power Rangers. And uh, Ooh, uh, I'm... Uh, sorry? Which one's that? The Well, Shattered Grid is like the event that's going on right now where uh, oh. uh, Lord Draken, uh, who's like evil Tommy that never became the, the good guy, you know, Green Ranger, he stayed with Rita. And then he like, I don't know, he, he, he ascends to be like building a Power Ranger army and taking over his universe and... He's now he's killing all the different rangers from all the different worlds. It sounds really stupid, I admit. Like someone just giggled in the background, and I'm no, with it you. <laughs> but but like it is actually really really good. Like Kyle Higgins knows how to write. Like I know you you've read some of his Nightwing stuff, right? Yes. If I yeah, and and like he he knows how to write. Um and, and the the guy I can't think of his name is too in the um. Uh, the Go Go book isn't bad. He's pretty. He's a pretty solid writer. I don't know. I'm not on board yet with what he's doing, but whatever. Uh, and I, I did a summary of uh, Dark Knight's Metal. That'll be one of the first episodes. We did a Tower of Babel episode. I'm gonna oh, look at Babel's Plastic Man, this mini series. So it's gonna be awesome. Oh, we're Tower we're Babel. just yelling at each other and having fun. What a good run. Oh, yeah, man. Run that is. So we'll butcher it so that you don't don't like it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It's good. Uh, Kevin Miller, KB, thanks for coming on, you guys. Oh, KB is really dying out. Thanks again. No, there he is.
I can't wait to watch basketball this season. It's uh, going to be great to see the Golden State Warriors win again. Yeah, they probably will. They just signed Boogie Cousins. But anyway, I'm basketball's dead to me. Um, and if you mention it one more time on this podcast, you will be banned for life. Uh, Miller, <laughs> good talking to you as well, good sir. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, I assume we'll see some of the guys in this room back next week for Ant-Man and the Wasp. If not, uh, I'm going to try to get like Leapock and the guys to come out because they haven't come back on in a while. So we'll see how it goes. Um, thank you very much for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week with a little Ant-Man and the Wasp. Take care, everybody. Hey, good night. I reminisce for a spell, or shall I say think back 22 years ago to keep it on track.